Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Eric Nalin, publisher of InsideTexas.com. Uh, this is the state of the program, presented by Adam Lowy and the LowyLawFirm.com. Uh, Eric, Longhorns now 4-0, beat the tar out of Baylor. Uh, we know that. They've got a big matchup of an undefeated team, Kansas, coming into town this week. Um, as you know, in this program, we try to take a, a longer, larger view and, and take a step back. The first quarter of the season, or first third of the season now, has, has gone by. The Longhorns are 4-0 for the first time since 2012. But this feels different than that 2012 team. Uh, your thoughts right now on, on the, the team and the program as a whole? Well, yeah, 2012 was smoke and mirrors. This is They're doing it. They're kicking your butt on uh, defense fair and square. Uh, there's no smoke and mirrors at all. And uh, offense is, you know, they're, they're leaning on a decent run game that's getting better uh, and big plays on offense. So, I mean, the, the we're seeing a core identity start to come together. Hopefully the offense becomes uh, continues to become more um, more consistent. It's funny, each uh, each side of the ball has gotten out their bad game out of the way, except for defense. So hopefully we don't, we don't see that defense one anytime soon because they can't afford it yet. But, you know, the offensive line had the bad issues against Rice. Uh, the passing game was poor against uh, Wyoming. And then special teams reared its ugly head. I think you've gotten too high on special teams in our previous episode, Bobby. You got you gave them an A and they got it. They must have read it. They read the highlights, or, uh, the headlines, and uh, yeah, they had the, the three drops. But hopefully the defense doesn't have that issue. But they're uh, – yeah, they're running into form, but this Kansas team is, uh, I think I don't really agree with that spread being so high. I think Kansas is better than they were last year when they started 5-0. and uh, A lot of that a lot of that has to do with, I think, think an improved defense. But, yeah, Texas is running into form at the right time. They get Kansas and OU back-to-back. That's, uh, that's pretty big. Yeah, I, Kansas, uh, this was interesting. We, we talked uh, this morning to uh, the uh, beat writer uh, for the KU Jayhawks uh, from the Kansas City Star. He said uh, Kansas – uh, is ranked number one in the nation on defense in havoc plays. Uh, that includes pressures, sacks, fumbles, yeah, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, they do. They have a lot of sacks. Uh, they're doing so much better uh, this year than a year ago. Uh, so this presents a different uh, situation for the Longhorns. Other than Alabama, this may be the best defense Texas has played thus far. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Wyoming. Probably maybe Wyoming. I don't know. Kansas. Uh, Kansas is a lot better. I, I stayed up pretty late watching them last night versus Baylor, and I was really surprised. They had a couple pieces that I liked previously, uh, but they've got they have some transfers in that are real interesting. Uh, but yeah, they they forced a lot of sacks. Uh, their their cornerback Kobe Bryant, who I love, um, he's basically the cornerback version of Xavier Worthy. He's built the same, uh, but he's tenacious. Uh, he had a screaming hit on a reverse last week that forced the fumble, picked it up, ran it himself. He had a, he had an interception. He's like a one-man uh, turnover. Of course, he had the uh, pick six against uh, Texas in 2021 as well. Uh, he's a stud, but they've got they've got three or four guys that can get after the passer as well. Uh, they're bringing linebacker blitzes. Uh, they got a couple edges. That, they've got a pass rush situational guy that I really like in Austin Booker. I think he's going to end up being a star for them. Uh, he's been situational until last week. Uh, but they're yeah, I mean they're a lot better. So that's 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 why I don't you know you're not going to see them put up 55 points on Kansas like they did last year. Uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of Texas, uh, the Kansas offense versus the Texas defense. But first, we want to say thank you uh, to Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. He's been helping injured Texans for decades. Uh, give him a shout at 512-280-0800 or visit him at LowyLawFirm.com for a free consultation. If you've been injured in a car wreck or on the job. You're going to want a free consultation from Adam and his group. Uh, once again, 512-280-0800 or visit him at LoweyLawFirm.com. Uh, Eric, 
the while we talk about the KU defense and its improved nature, it's really been Lance Leipold's offense and Jalen Daniels uh, that has led this team, this Kansas Jayhawk team. Uh, what do you see there that may or may not worry you uh, about them coming to DKR this weekend? Yeah, well, well, I'm hoping I don't jinx the defense like you did the special teams the other day because <laughs> this would this would be the game that gives the defense a little bit of, of issues. You know, they're going to test their eyes and their um, their assignment soundness like like no other team will on the entire schedule. Uh, it all starts with the scheme and and the trigger man and, and Jalen Daniels. He, um, you know, he's a he's a good individual talent in his own right. I think he'd be good in any any scheme pretty much. He's a good drop back passer, but then they they really do a good job of bringing his legs into it. So you know, they're running option. Uh, one play, and then they're spreading you out the next play. Uh, and his versatility really opens up a lot of possibilities for Leipold. And then, of course, Leipold and his, his offensive coordinator are are, uh, are very creative in what they do. Lots of different uh, formations, lots of shifts, lots of different blocking schemes. Um, so we talk about, you know, we, we've been very high on David Benda's uh, improvement. He he looked really good the other day. That was his best game, I felt. Uh, but this is going to be one the one that really lets us know where David Benda is, if he keeps his eyes. And that goes for the the whole defense, you know, the – the, the edges are going to have to squeeze down, keep Daniels in the pocket. They're still going to have to get pressure. Uh, the defensive backs are going to have to really do a good job of, of not getting lost in all the smoke and mirrors. Uh, and, you know, it's going to have to be a very disciplined uh, uh, effort. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a little bit closer than, than I think the spread is up to 17 now. Uh, hopefully I'm wrong on that. But uh, I think Kansas is a, is a much more well-balanced team than they have been in the past. Um, you mentioned the, the, the window dressing for lack of a better term, that Kansas puts out on offense. It's not unlike what Steve Sarkeesian does. Uh, they, they do a lot of different things to make you think they're going to do one thing or another, and then they come back out with something totally different. Uh, they, they give you heavy looks, and then they throw the ball down the field. They, they're going to they, test your communication uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, they've got good wide receivers, too. I, you know, I don't want to leave them out. And then, of course, they've got – you know, last year they had one good running back in Devin Neal. Now they have two. Uh, the other guy, Highshaw. Is a little bit smaller, but he runs very hard. It's a it's a well coached team, and um, he's got that program being built. Last year's start, you know, it got uh, hindered by by injuries and, and lack of depth. Uh, the portal's been very kind to them. They, they're proving their ability to evaluate and fill needs. I'm very impressed with what Leipold's done. Gotcha. Uh, that being said, pretty impressed with what Texas has done thus far too. Um, Absolutely. You, you know, the thing that that gets me is this a game where the depth for Texas, which is one of the things we think that Texas has done, and Leipold's done this for Kansas as well, is the increased depth at 2.30 in the afternoon in late September in Austin. It's going to be hot. Yep. Is that where maybe this game is different for Texas versus others, or or what are your thoughts there? Well, yeah, I mean, they can go way deeper in their bench than, uh, than, than any other school on the schedule. You know, it's going to shake out. It's probably one of the deepest teams in the, in the, in the entire country because – they have the weird confluence of having uh, very savvy veterans that, that do have talent and then a lot of mentally ready freshmen that have a ton of talent. And so there's really not a whole lot of players on the on the roster that they don't feel comfortable playing right now. Now, obviously, the better the team they play, the, the, the tighter the rotation is going to be. Uh, but in most games, it's going to even out to where, most uh, you know, you see a lot of the players. Derek Williams is going to play a lot again. Um, you know, the, Anthony Hill is going to play the, the entire season. Um, there's just so many different places where they can go deeper into Jim on tap is starting to come around uh, in, in, in place of Christopher Ross, not playing in the exact same role, but kind of fitting those same snaps. Uh, so that, that depth in the, in the middle of the afternoon, especially the bigger the players are, the more you can rotate the big guys out, the bigger advantage it is. So 
Texas is going to have that advantage against every every opponent they play the rest of the way. Uh, and then they're going to have the advantage uh, defensive line versus offensive line against everybody they play as well. Got it. Uh, Longhorns right now, as you mentioned, 17 point favorites. I, I could not believe the line when it came out. Yeah. Uh, people are giving a lot of credence, I think, to the Longhorns big win over Alabama and not necessarily giving Kansas enough for their wins. Uh, while they did uh, struggle with the Nevada team, I thought they soundly beat BYU, the team that you said yeah. you watched. I watched that game as well. Uh, that you know, they took control in the third quarter and and kind of didn't let up. Uh, they they had BYU and and stayed on them, uh, which yeah. is not necessarily what Kansas has done historically because no. their defense hasn't been good enough to do that. Right? Yeah, it's it's a different team. It's they, you know they they got on uh, Illinois too. That that, was, that game wasn't nearly as close as the final score. Uh, uh, ended up being Nevada. You could probably make the case that they were looking ahead. I bet, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. We saw Texas do that a little bit this season. It wouldn't be surprising if they were looking ahead to the conference opener. BYU is a, a formidable opponent for Kansas. Uh, but like I said, they're, they're, they're doing it. He's doing a lot better job of getting more value out of more players. They're just deeper than they have been better on defense. Like I said, they've got some, some portal additions. They've got some experience. They're in year three as well in their uh, program build. We see how, how important continuity has been for, for Sarkeesian and Pete Kwiatkowski. Uh, they're in the same place. It's, uh, you know, Leipold's going to be up there for, you know, I, I, if they keep this going, I don't, I don't expect them to beat Texas or anything, but I do think they are going to continue making waves throughout the big 12. And you're going to start hearing uh, Leipold up there for, you know, coach of the year honors. Yeah, it probably well-deserved if so. Uh, hey, uh, uh, Eric, a uh, little recruiting com conversation here. Uh, Texas picked up a five-star offensive lineman, uh, over the weekend, Brandon Baker out of Santa Ana, Modern Day, uh, the the school in uh, Southern California that is just so prolific in producing yeah. uh, prospects. The, the Longhorns obviously added uh, Spencer Shannon from that school a year ago, the tight end. Uh, they also are after a couple other guys next recruiting cycle. Um, what, what's your take on where Texas is at overall uh, with recruiting at this point? And and the emphasis somewhat on the out-of-state group uh, is is pretty uh, evident as well. Well, you know, I want I got uh, asked an interesting question. If you could have one pipeline uh, into in any school between Duncanville and Modern Day, which would you choose? And it can only be one. Obviously, Texas is going for both and doing a great job at both. Uh, but I went with Modern Day, and the reason I did that is because you know Modern Day is going to always be talented. They they're basically a magnet for players that are talented in a 60 mile radius. DeAndre Baker lives in Temecula. Temecula is basically out in the desert in the middle of nowhere. He drives 60 miles every day to go to Santa Ana. Uh, they're, they're, they're basically a bug lamp for, for talent. On top of that, they always have quarterbacks, which are, you know, obviously a high priority. Um, and then it's enduring. It's enduring. You know, Duncanville is great right now, but Duncanville is great because uh, samples left Skyline. Skyline went 0 10 last year. Uh, so Duncanville is not quite as enduring as as uh, modern day. So that was just a fun exercise to talk about the value of modern day and why Steve Sarkeesian is wise to to, uh, to use so many resources uh, recruiting that school. Of course, you know, he's got ties there. Chris Jackson uh, uh, played there in high school. Uh, just, uh, you know, it's hard to believe that Texas has inroads at the, you know, the best school in Texas, Duncanville right now, and, and the best school in uh in california and the best school in florida in img it's it's uh it's crazy to consider yeah very uh talent prolific programs texas is going to uh all right uh eric uh the 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 thing that i want to ask you now is we we look at texas uh overall in this this program uh anything any chinks in the armor you see right now on defense on offense things you're really concerned about uh from a uh, from that standpoint, I mean, we, we, we're sitting here saying everything looks good, everything looks good, but
but there has to be something that kind of in the back of your mind, eh, not necessarily liking that. I'll give you an example. Not only the special teams from last week lacked focus, I think, uh, but getting beat over the top, uh, the yeah. safeties and the corners uh, uh, having an issue there. Anything like that worrying you after also that happening at Alabama as well? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, I'm not too worried about getting beat over the top. We've known that Ryan Watts has not had the, the exact corner makeup speed, um, and it hasn't really hurt them a whole lot. So to me, right now, I'm considering that an outlier, and unless it starts happening more often, then then we'll look at that as maybe a bigger issue. But then they would just, you know, put in Malik Muhammad or, or you know, maybe they could put Brooks over there and Gavin Holmes. You know, there's there's things they can do. So I'm not worried about that. Um, you know, zone coverage is a little bit interesting. I think that this uh, Kansas team is going to uh, – threaten the whole field uh, in ways that hasn't happened yet. They're so creative, but again, that's an outlier offense. So, you know, I'm not sure what I would take away from that uh, unless there are, you know, some chronic issues that, that other teams can, they can reproduce or replicate. I'm not sure that other teams are going to have that ability. Uh, I think the one thing that I'm concerned about that will affect uh, Texas's ceiling is, you know, the drop back passing game. Um, that's probably my, my biggest concern, but you know, you see it when um, when Sarkaz Quinn hitting his playmakers on shorter routes, those guys are able to make make a move, make some guys miss or run them over. Uh, that's kind of really how they took control of the, uh, the uh, Baylor game, I felt. And then it started to open up the the deeper stuff down the down the field. Uh, to me, I, if Sark can, it doesn't get too stubborn and, and sticks to getting his playmakers involved on easy passing, easy passes, high percentage passes, I think that the, the deeper passing game is going to come uh, – come more open. But if he, don't, he wants to open it up by going over the top earlier, uh, that would be a concern of mine. It seems like uh, Quinn is still a, a tick slow uh, reading those uh, those deeper and longer developing plays. Got it. Uh, and that that could be an issue uh, when you're going to have – when the, the the thing there is if you get in a, in a shootout, every possession counts, right? Um, yeah. And I, I think that's one of the things that uh, – if I had to worry right now is what does Texas do in a real shootout? Uh, because the offensive efficiency for Texas is still not all the way there, right? Right. It's, that, it's getting better, though. I do think it is getting yes. better. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it was better against Baylor. They're starting yeah. to hit some of those downfield shots Yeah, yeah. Uh, with more regularity. Yeah, I, I am kind of concerned of what the go-to is in the passing game. Uh, you know, they can, they're starting to be able to lean on the run game a little bit more. I think Jonathan Brooks is really finding his legs. You know, we always known he was talented, but I think he's getting tougher yards than uh, we might have anticipated. Uh, yards after contact, moving the pile. He's he's a he's a physical guy, um, but I, I yeah I do wonder what the the go to passing game is in a tight situation. To me, it's just keep hitting the open guy. You know they did a really good job of spreading the ball around versus Baylor. Uh, keep doing the open guy rather than say hey this is a beautiful call, wonderful call. This, there's no way this call is not going to work, but it's a it's a lower percentage play. You know I think uh, stick with a higher percentage of passing and let your athletes do the work. Um, you know we talked about the the point guard uh, metaphor before is, is he a creator or a facilitator, you know, just let them facilitate rather than create. Uh, let your other guys be the creators. Uh, you know, you got so much talent, so much individual skill talent, just get them the ball, let them do the work. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a situation where Texas wants to get some one-on-one, uh, one-on-one opportunities for its skill players against Kansas yeah. in space. 
And that doesn't necessarily mean down the field. Uh, yeah. That can mean out of the backfield. It could mean uh, JT Sanders against a linebacker. It could mean a number of different places and ways. Uh, that is certainly a strength of the Texas offense so far this year. Speaking with Eric Nalene, publisher, InsideTexas.com. This is the weekly state of the program brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Hey, Eric, uh, the other question that that uh, is kind of uh, getting to me right now, um, we're, like we said, a third of the way through. Uh, we've talked about development as a theme for this Texas team. Um, it just struck me against Baylor how much development was going on because well into the third and fourth quarter, we just saw so many defensive players on the field. New names. Justice Finkley gets a sack. Jamon Tapp looks like he's starting to come on. Uh, Anthony Hill, the freshman's in there. Derek Williams may have gotten more snaps at defensive back or at uh, safety than anybody on the team. Yep. Um, a lot of young guys seeing action, getting time. What, what are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, a lot of it's just good individual coaching and, and uh, these guys being sponges and, and learning and developing. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I don't necessarily want to say the player's name, but, you know, going into the season, we were like, ah, that guy's probably not going to make it. This will probably be his last season. And, you know, already he's out there out there producing. And that's not the first time I've heard that. There's been a lot of time our sources are like, yeah, we're kind of kind of down on this guy. But eventually the light switch comes on and their, their coaching takes and uh, and the players uh, respond to it. Uh, but a lot of it is is getting guys in the right fits. Um, you know, Jet Bush is in the right fit, and, and he's having a good year. Uh, it was funny seeing Vernon Broughton out there as a, as a nine technique, but he's just blowing up tight ends. That's unfair. You know, I think, um, you know, getting getting – obviously he's been developed technically. He's, he's playing a whole lot better than he has in the past, a whole lot more consistently. consistently. But he's also being put in positions to, to just, you know, go after and get after the quarterback, uh, which we always knew he had that that sort of athleticism and the feet for it. Uh, a lot of it's evaluation, Bobby. They uh, they picked out a bunch of winners, guys that had won state championships, guys that had high mental evals, and then, you know, guys that had a, elite attributes. So it's in, in that sense, you know, you got Anthony Hill, Derek Williams, Malik Muhammad out there. That's not surprising. I think all three of those guys won a state championship. They're all leaders on their team. Uh, and then they're all uniquely talented. So it's just a, it's a confluence of everything kind of coming together. Good coaching, good evaluation, uh, picking the right players that are are very responsive to coaching. Uh, and they're also, you know, they're not they're not intimidated by being out there on the college stage. They know they belong. All right. Uh, I want to say thanks one more time before I get to our final question. Uh, this is uh, sponsored by Lowy Law Firm. Uh, Adam and his team uh, over at the Lowy Law Firm have been helping injured Texans for decades. Give them a call. 512-280-0800 or visit the Lowy Law Firm for a free consult today, consultation today. If you've been injured in a car accident or on the job, Adam and his group. I uh, do a great job. Uh, final question really for me, Eric, is what do you expect over these next two games from Texas? Like, what are your true, honest expectations? Because in my opinion, outside of K-State, these next two weeks are the two best offenses Texas will face in uh, KU and then OU. Yeah. Uh, Texas goes into this group of, of this little thing before it's off week, right? So, Chance to be four and two, five and one, or six and zero oh before the off week. Your true expectations right now for this Texas team heading into these final two two contests. Well, I'm I'm going to both games, and I expect to have fun at each. So I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got high confidence that those are going to be enjoyable outcomes. Um, you know, I think Kansas's offense is better than OU's. I think it challenges you in a lot lot more ways than than OU's. OU's offense doesn't really uh, scare me all that much, to be honest with you. 
And I don't really buy OU's uh, new and improved defense, even though they are improved. There's no doubt about it. You can just see the competency uh, uh, rising over last year, but I don't buy their physicality. I think Texas is going to be more physical on both sides of the ball. Um, and KU, I, I just don't think they're quite there to hang with uh, Texas from a talent level across the board. You know, it's not just like you talked about depth. It's not just 22 against 22. Um, and so I think Texas has huge advantage there. And, and they, they still have advantages on the defensive line against KU. So really the only way that I think Texas struggles is if the, we see some defensive breakdowns that have been uncharacteristic to this point. Um, and then the offense probably has some turnovers, which, uh, again, has been pretty uncharacteristic to this point. So Texas, if they just play the games that they've been playing uh, to that level, uh, maybe, the, maybe the games are a little tougher than they might expect. Uh, maybe they get into a, a, a tough fourth quarter, which hasn't really been the case yet. Even against Alabama, was uh, you sure we were all on pins and needles a little bit just because uh, uh, the stakes were so high. Uh, but but Texas was able to ground and pound them out. Uh, there hasn't really been a – somebody asked me, if, you know, do you feel better about Sark as a head coach? I'm like, well, he hasn't even been ch challenged in the fourth quarter yet. Uh, so maybe that's something that could arise that's, that's unforeseen. But, you know, I think Texas is clearly better than both those teams. And so, you know, they just have to keep playing at that level and play to the, uh, to the, to the level they can and not to their competition, even though if the competition is good, they're still better than that competition. They got to play – they got to play to the best of their ability. Uh, I'm not – you know, I'm not super concerned. I think K-State's going to be another tough game. I think going on the road to TCU is going to be relatively tough. But uh, if Texas plays as well as they can, there, there shouldn't be a loss uh, in conference. Interesting. Uh, speaking with Eric Nellie. Eric, I, I, you just brought me to one other question. That was going to be our final question for the day. And then I, I, I wanted to bring up this. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian is now 11-3 in his last 14 games as head coach after a 5-7 and seven start. Um. Is this thing, this thing's going the right direction? It everything feels that way. Everything tells us that. Yeah. Um, worried about hiccups, of course, along the way, or road bumps, or whatever you want to call it. But right now, Texas is headed in the right direction overall. Eleven and three in the last fourteen games. That's the best stretch Texas has had. What in, I don't know, ten years. Yeah, I mean that's a season that that's a season we would take. And you know that eleven and three is, is skewed a little bit by, um, I would say. Iffy bull prep, you know, I think they, they went out there and I don't know that they were as, as gung-ho to win that game as, as you might have uh, might have imagined. Um, yeah, you know, seven when Sark is going to be put to bed here in a couple of weeks, right? I mean, because he's already going to achieve it prob in most likelihood without without a loss on the on, on the docket. So he's got it going. I mean, that's, you know, the leading indicators that we felt were giving Texas an advantage going into the season. I think there were seven of them. Pretty much all of them are come coming to fruition so far. You just kind of want to pinch yourself or knock on wood to make sure you don't jinx it. But, you know, I mean, this is real. This is, um, you know, I know fans are still a little bit um, lukewarm, but if you, if you're watching the product, if you're watching where they, they came from to get to this point, you know, it's been a steady, uh, it's been a steady incline. It hasn't been some massive jump that they could take a jump back at some point. It's it's not freak happenstance. These are all core competencies that the, the coaching staff has improved across the board. Um, like a, there's just so many advantages they have <clears throat> and, and it's all coming to fruition. They just have to keep it going. They, and they, you know, I think they will. They're, that experience is, is the one thing that I, I lean on. Uh, I leaned on that experience going into the Alabama game, why they wouldn't be intimidated I lean on that experience of why, uh, you know, Wyoming wouldn't be a big letdown game. I don't think that Wyoming was the letdown game that fans thought. They, they were motivated to win that game every bit as much as any other. Uh, they did have a little bit of execution issues. But, you know, I think experience and depth and talent um, and coaching and schemes, it's all right there. Texas, uh, you know, at this point, I think it's safe to say that Texas should be in the playoffs based on what we've seen 
from UT wow. and what we've seen from the national landscape. Wow. Uh, that's Those are big words there. I uh, want to thank Eric Nalin for joining us today, the publisher of InsideTexas.com. One thing I want to mention, too, uh, we have a special going on right now uh, at InsideTexas.com. Uh, for the best Longhorn news and recruiting information, make sure you check out InsideTexas.com. Uh, use promo code OTFIT23 for a special subscription offer. It's two months for just $1. That's OTFIT23. Make sure you select the monthly offer to get that special deal. Uh, it's something Eric, myself, Jerry Hamilton, Justin Wells, Joe Cook, Ian Boyd, uh, Paul Wadlington. I, I Bobby, may have forgotten Bobby, somebody. We're gonna, Bobby, we're going to hit 340 articles this month. 340, maybe, maybe 335, somewhere around there. So for your, your uh, $1 for two months, you can expect 680 articles or, or somewhere thereabouts. <laughs> uh, that's unbelievable. Uh, just killing it right now, uh, both uh, on the on Inside Texas, Eric, uh, as well as University of Texas on the football field. So it's a fun time to join us on Inside Texas. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this uh, edition of State of the Program on Texas football. Uh, we've been uh, sponsored by Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. Eric, thanks, bud. Uh, have a good time at the game this week. Oh, yeah.